Okay, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, goofballs, and scumbags. Whether you was watching club football, psych, it's the international break. <laughs> Y'all know what time it is. We are back at it again for your listening pleasure. This is the Football Misfits episode 67. I am your host with the most, psych with the least. Because there's no club football on. LV, aka Paper Fronto, aka Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, aka Buck Nasty, aka. That's all I got for y'all. Of course, I am sitting here with Mr. Misfits himself, the one, the only, the man behind everything. And by everything, I mean international football. <laughs> y'all may know him as Ronnie. And I'm not gonna lie, so do I. Ronnie, say what's good for the one time. What's up? Um, I also go by the sad Honduran. Um, Damn. We don't have to get into that. I just know that's what I go by. Stay strong. Be brave. I'm trying. Oof. I mean, just let the record reflect that I didn't bring it up. You did this time. But Hey, uh, man. I don't bring up the fact that you're a sad Spurs fan, so, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm too busy bringing that up myself. But, uh, anywho, uh, it is international break, and... Uh, we are almost at the point of the World Cup, just under or over a year away. So um, yes, why don't we talk about? Why don't we just talk about the folks that uh, that booked their tickets for Qatar next year? Jeez! Yeah, man, the tickets running. are being handed out like hotcakes, fam. Um, we begin with the team who first booked their ticket during this international break, and we're going to South America for this one, Brazil, LV. <clears throat> Brazil. Hey man, you gotta clear the throat when it comes to Brazil. Gotta come correct. Brazil have yet to lose in the qualifiers, and the only time they dropped points was away to Colombia. That ended in a scoreless draw. They played the reverse fixture against Colombia in Sao Paulo, and leave it to the homeboy, a guy we fancy, Lucas Paqueta. Scoring in the second half to give Brazil the one nothing win and a ticket to the Vault Cup. Now, Brazil are pretty much favorites to win the World Cup, according to everybody and their mamas' mamas. Do you think they will? Yeah, I mean, uh, so first things first, as you mentioned, haven't lost in qualifiers, uh, topped their group with ease, uh, and, you know, obviously going against the likes of Argentina, Colombia, Uruguay who has been terrible, as we spoke about a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, Brazil getting it done, doing the damn thing, and everybody is pitching in. I mean, we talking the Neymars, you know, you know that's going down. The Rafinhas of Leeds, you know, like everybody's doing their thing. Oh, Rafinha um, has been balling this qualifying cycle, fam. For real. And, I mean, when he's not over-dribbling the ball for Leeds United and Marcelo Bielsa, he's over here, you know, on home soil, you know, thugging it out. As we saw last qualifier rounds against Uruguay, as we mentioned before, scored a brace for himself. Uh, you mentioned Lucas Paqueta, young bull. You know, uh, everybody's, everybody's, everybody's contributing. And they've got, I mean, all things considered, they have a real squad from all angles uh, at the, you know, at the forward position in the midfield. Um, I mean, they start Fred from time to time, so that could be of concern. But they have, you know, a bunch of depth. Fabinho's in there. You know, they got the Vinny Juniors of the world that haven't been playing a bunch of matches. Um, you know, and just from the defense on, everybody, you know, we mentioned the, the, the veterans, Thiago Silva. They got the young boy, Marquinhos, who's not necessarily so young anymore. Uh, Casemiro in the midfield. And, of course, up top, the man they love to hate. The man Ronnie doesn't necessarily care for. You know, Neymar kind of leading the charge, getting yellow cards and scoring goals and doing it all. And uh, this qualifier wasn't an example of what they can do and that the hunger they do have. And, you know, maybe a bit of the idea that sometimes Conan Bowl can get overlooked to the South American teams can get overlooked uh, for the European big dogs. Um, you know, th this is Brazil's chance to make something happen. And as as we spoke about Neymar wanting to close his career out by giving, a, you know, his country a cup. Hey. What better time than the World Cup, my friend? Brazil have qualified for every single edition of the World Cup. This is now the 22nd World Cup coming up next year. 
Yeah, they 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 ain't missing no dates, if you will. They are the uh, you know the good student sitting in the front of the class. I'm here, you know what I'm saying. And they've got plenty of them things under their belt. Um, that Loki you know. is a good analogy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let me just pat myself on the back real quick. Hold on, I don't know if you hear that. <laughs> good job, LV. Oh man, look at that. I guess I'm not so bad at this international break thing. <laughs> no. But yeah, I mean. Uh, uh, obviously, you know, having won one, it, it just it's next World Cup is going to be, or the one that the one that's coming up next next winter. That'll years. be twenty years since they won a World Cup. Twenty years, um, and so you could say, are they overdue? Maybe indeed, because uh, long gone are the days, Ronnie, of us growing up as kids and watching that those dominant Brazil teams. You know, in nineteen ninety eight and two thousand and two and two thousand and six. You know, just barely losing out in those cups and winning one of them just with all those legends that just did everything and had all the flair and got all the goals and just were the best players in the world and the bottling doors long removed are we from those days right yeah man but in that time they have made up for it in winning copa americas and they might have even won like a confederations cup somewhere in between <laughs> well there we go and i'm sure that you know one of the strongest nations in the history of this competition will be hungry, you know, to get one in this new uh, decade that we're that we're living in. And I mean, the way they're playing, like you said, in the qualify in the qualifier rounds, they might be able to do it. They have been on point, and uh, we shall see. You mentioned Neymar. Neymar again got himself into a position where he was criticized by stepping up to the official. Like, yeah, look, he snuffed him. <laughs> you are looking at the officials asking are you gonna suck it or not? I was gonna get I was gonna sneak that in so much. <laughs> Neymar gotta stop listening to camera, bro. <laughs> um yeah, he stepped into the referee like yo, what? Like if it were any other player, that man's getting sent off because his Neymar, he got off of the pass. But he was walling, much like LV with that Cameron reference. <laughs> hey, I got it. I got it too. And so does Neymar. But uh, they they're locked in World Cup 2022 Qatar bound, uh, and shortly after them, or uh, just behind them, if you will, we have Argentina, the defending Copa America champions. Uh, they have yet to qualify. They need to win on Tuesday. Against the folks we just mentioned, Brazil. Brazil. Hopefully, Go this ahead. match doesn't get delayed or postponed like it did in Brazil. Eesh. Because Emmy Emmy Martinez and Buendia didn't have, you know, they came from England and you know quarantine rules. Hopefully that doesn't happen. This is in Buenos Aires. Um, Argentina did beat Brazil this summer, and they still got Messi, which is a contentious topic this week because PSG is like. Why are you playing for dumb? I know it's in your contract, but why are you playing for dumb? But yeah, I'm optimistic days. that Argentina will qualify when they beat Brazil. I think that'll happen. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean I agree with you. They've came up against Brazil a couple of times this this year, and they beat them when it mattered most, obviously in Copa America in the final. And Argentina, to be fair, in the second half of this of 2021, since Copa America and even in the tournament. I've been kind of cruising. I mean, everybody's been contributing, just like with Brazil. Messi, when he plays for Argentina, just looks, you know, a hundred times better than he has been with PSG this season. I mean, I think he's played more minutes, as we said, for Argentina than he has for PSG. Um, Angel Di Maria is looking good. Giovanni Lo Celso, who looks like dog shit for Spurs, even looks good for Argentina. So, um, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, as long as Anvisa doesn't come down on the pitch and start chasing players around, uh playing freeze tag and whatnot they should be all right um so this tuesday i mean i could see them making getting the dub um and booking their tickets that's another team that you know uh, i wouldn't say is underrated or underappreciated in this uh, world cup as you know the european teams are kind of heavily favored and uh, you could argue rightly so as the last final featured you know two european teams and even the quarterfinals to to a degree but um yeah argentina look hungry and they got their that monkey off their back, and Messi did as well, bagging the international trophy that he so badly wanted. So, if they can qualify on Tuesday, that'll be another team to watch out for in Qatar next season, uh, next year. So, all this conversation about 
the uh, World Cup and folks qualifying and booking their tickets, as much as I hate on international football, this is what makes it worth it because the days are coming closer and closer. I'm always an advocate for the international footy. When it's done properly, it's done properly now. And we're getting closer and closer to Qatar World Cup, which is about a year away. So that was the first thing to qualify Brazil in Latin America. Argentina have a foot in the door. They can make it official on Tuesday. But a team who made it official recently, the defending world champions. France are back to defend their title. And they did so by absolutely destroying the shit out of Kazakhstan. Unfair, man. Borat and company did not deserve that. Bam, all them goals you want to pile on somebody. <laughs> what a way to qualify. They, you know, they, uh, I can't even say they kicked it into gear. This is a team that they were going to beat 10 times out of 10. And uh, a lot, all the main guys got some goals in. It, it just looked like an extended training, you know, a little preseason, if you will, the way they were playing, running circles around Kazakhstan. Uh, yeah, yeah Borat's they had four. Four of them things. And a, a hat trick, if I'm not mistaken, uh, before halftime. So, you know, if that doesn't kind of tell you what was going to go down, uh, it sure didn't because in the second half, there was many more goals. Benzema uh, with a pair, freaking, when your mom at Rebio, and <laughs> Antoine Griezmann getting a penalty. Eight nothing final. Yeah, nasty. I mean, exclamation point on their qualification. Uh, I mean, when, you, when you have two of your four, three of your forwards scoring, and two of them getting more than two goals or two goals or more, um, a hell of a day. Uh, if you just look at the possession stats, 66% possession. Um, France with 14 shots on target, eight of which went in. That's like a 70% field goal percentage, fam. Goodness gracious. Will Chamberlain numbers over here. So, yeah, what a way, hey, what a way to book qualifications. references to Antoine Griezmann. Oof. Oh, no, nah, church. <laughs> you not have to go there. <laughs> yes, we did. Griezmann, how are you not canceled for that shit, bro? My man with the Harlem Globetrotters with the black face. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, he told racism. Revisiting old wounds. But Antoine Griezmann, I know we're going to talk about goal celebrations a lot today, but he had a celebration in which... He had the date of the Paris terrorist attacks written on his shirt, and yesterday marked the anniversary of that. So, a nice touching gesture. France winning against Kazakhstan on the anniversary in the Parc de Prince in Paris. It was an emotional day, and they got the job done. Now, before we move on to the next team that qualified, will France defend their title successfully um if you want to say no keep it pushing that's fine too yeah i mean just based on history it's hard as fuck to do that uh france on their day can beat anybody but yeah i'm just gonna say no let's keep pushing on to belgium has something to prove we spoke about brazil 20 years since they last won Belgium, man, they ain't won shit ever. So, and we thought they might have a chance to win uh, last World Cup uh, or the last Euro or the Euro before that. And uh, it's the the dog days, if you will, for Roberto Martinez and company. They still are playing very good football. They still have everybody probably in their prime. Uh, even Eden Hazard is playing well uh, for the international side. So they have definitely a chance and they locked their qualification spot yesterday on Saturday after being Estonia and uh yeah I mean they, they, they Belgium is known to keep a big black forward and uh, it wasn't Lukaku that would score on Saturday it was actually Christian Benteke fam look at my man getting some ticks in versus Estonia Benteke crazy uh, Yannick Carrasco would also get a goal in the second half, as would the baby Hazard, Torgan, who, I mean, we're talking about Hazards that play well uh, in the international level. Torgan Hazard really, I mean, since scoring that screamer of a goal in the Euros, been letting folks know, hey, listen, man, BBB, we, we trash, but I'm pretty good on Belgium, boy, I'm going to tell you. So much like with France, uh, 
as I said, Belgium entering their twilight, I think, of their golden age, quote unquote, or you can call it a silver or bronze age because they, they're the third place gods. Um, <laughs> third they place a... kings. And they couldn't do it in the Nations <laughs> League, by the way. <laughs> and they couldn't do it. So, I mean, never say never, but this seems to be their last real shot. Oh, no, um, I agree with winning. you. I fully agree with you, yes. Yeah, at winning a World Cup. And, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, they're still ranked uh, one in the number world, one yeah. in the FIFA World Ranking. So, obviously, and they haven't you know, been playing like it, which has been crazy. Which is the interesting thing. I mean, you could probably name three or four, five teams maybe that have been doing better than they have. Uh, still number one, though. And to be fair, they do have the team to prove it on all sides. I mean, de- defensively, they got some older heads, but everybody is in a good you know, position. They play their position well. Their midfield, I think, is unbelievable if you just look at it on paper. And right. then Lukaku being, uh, man, not, maybe not necessarily in the last couple of weeks, but in the last year or so in the best form of his career, you know, emerging as one of the best forwards in the world after being, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say, you know, uh, shrugged off, but really entering that top tier elite level as of last season. Even though it's their twilight years, this could be it for them, you know, and, and if it isn't, I mean, pfft, oof, what'll happen? But yeah, Ronnie, any chance they win or are they going to third place gods us to death next World Cup in 2022 here? If they finish in third place again, Thibaut Courtois will lose his shit, fam. Yeah, I can see oh. it right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, how can we do a play the World Cup in December, fam? Like, you finding any little minute thing to complain about, but he will oh, lose his shit. I want to see uh, this team win. They do have the talent and to do so. They do have a lot of guys who are deserving of a major accomplishment. Lukaku, either one of the Hazards, probably the more fitter one in Trogan, Yuri Tielemans, KDB I mean, as well. I can't say enough about that guy. Obviously, his form has been so-so, and he, he's been getting injured at, in the calendar year 2021. Been having some wild injuries. You look at the oh, UFC I orbital. That's so-so when you really think about Sorry to cut you off. That is why his form is so-so. Injuries. Yeah. A, healthy, yeah. a healthy Kevin De Bruyne washes the park. Yeah, I mean, he, he he overtook Neymar and, you know, a couple other folks as, like, the, the guy just behind Messi and Ronaldo as the best players in the world over the last couple of years. Obviously, you can argue Mo Salah is, you know, taking that spot by storm this season. But, yeah, Kevin DeBrona consistently for the last five or six years has been probably one of the best players on the planet. And, you know, uh, much like Neymar, you know, with Brazil, nothing has really come to fruition for them, obviously. Um this World Cup is a chance for them to get redemption, but you know, only only one team, only one team will be crowned. So, a lot of re- a lot of stories here to be you know worth watching. But yeah, can Belgium? Yeah, the only scandalous thing Kevin De Bruyne has ever done was coming off the field after Etihad t- on some. Let me talk. Let me talk. Let but... me talk. <laughs> you know. So yeah, man. Let's see if the red face assassin could do it, Mr. Ginger himself, Ed Sheeran. Uh, we shall see, man. But yeah, Belgium. I haven't listened to it uh, until a cheering is broke and depressed and sad. I'm good off that because my boy is straight popped out. I'm good off that. No thanks. I'm in love oh, with your body. Last night it was in my room. Man, get out of here with that shit. All no, right. <laughs> they rounded out the European teams who qualified for the World Cup on Saturday. The Netherlands could have joined them, but they played like dog shit in the last 10 minutes against Eesh. the world beaters at our Montenegro. Eesh, nasty business. And Memphis I think that loss. And our, I'm like, all right, smooth sailing. Everything's gravy. They're up two goals to the good. They're going to go on to the World Cup. Montenegro had other plans, scoring goals in rapid succession to end the game. For a minute, I thought Frank De Boer was still the manager. But no, it was Bang Hall. <laughs> but now qualification gets a little bit harder for the Dutch. Their next game is against Norway. And Turkey play Montenegro. Turkey could easily leapfrog the Netherlands. And the Dutch could easily miss out on a second successive World Cup. And if they do, I'm going to ask serious questions. Yeah, and I think... Um... For the, for the Dutch, it's basically the, the tale of their, uh, I guess, calendar year or the last couple of years for them. Just 
you know, even in the Euros this past year, kind of having a bit of uh, shades of their old selves and then really falling back into it and not being overall good enough to kind of do what they have to do. And this game kind of encapsulated that. Um, obviously, under Louis van Gaal, sort of a bit of a rebuild, if you will. We see the players that they have, a good quality side, you know, um, but they've got some work to do if they want to compete at the level. But luckily for them, they got a bunch of young guys. Memphis Depay, a quick stat. I mean, the top scorer in UEFA, you know, uh, European World Cup qualifiers. He's on 11 goals, so he's been on fire. Um, but, yeah, just not good enough. They they, they need uh, that extra, I guess, team chemistry to build on. And we'll see if Louis van Gaal can take them back to the promised land. They're not out, like you said, yet. But, um they don't want to be out for two World Cups in a row. That's mad years. So that's a career for mad players. On eight years of your life, oh god. No, and that's a fact. Two World Cup cycles. Fam, come on now. And the Dutch made things hard for themselves because a draw could see them in the playoffs, or it could see themselves out entirely. So we'll see how things go. I'm confident that the Dutch can beat Norway. It's a Norway team without Erling Haaland, but still, you got to take the game very seriously. But we'll see how things go. Um, and this is a Dutch team that should be making it. The, you mentioned Memphis Depay. Um, Daniel Malin's there, the young, the healthy Virgil van Dijk. Um, let me mention my guy, Voot Vekhorst. But still. There you go. I had to do the name drop. Denzel Dumfries, another guy, man. Denzel Dumfries. This is a quality Dutch side, and if they don't make the World Cup this time around, it'll be or so we crazy. thought. <laughs> yeah, you know, so uh, they've absolutely got some work to do. Dropping two goals late on against Montenegro, I mean, it's played a whole egg. It's just unex- un- yeah, unacceptable for themselves. You know, two goals in four minutes late on, yeesh. That's not what you want to see with a team that has that those many stars. You know, so. So if we continue on with teams who qualified, we're going over to today, Sunday, when we're recording. And we saw three European sides book their places to the World Cup, beginning first with Croatia. They entered today's game against Russia in second place. And it was the most devastating of results for the Russians. An unfortunate own goal was enough to put... Croatia through to the World Cup. The oh man, they went out. Finalists. They went out sad as hell. Um, standing tall against Croatia, who, to be fair, were creating chances. They deserved to win by two, maybe three goals. Nothing was going in, and it was no surprise because that pitch looked like dog shit. And I don't mean like <laughs> figuratively; like it looked like dog shit on that pitch. Man. It was crazy. It was dirt everywhere. It was disgusting. Uh, I will say this, though. I felt like this game was going to end scoreless. And that would have been enough for for Russia. Do I agree with you. I think it could have absolutely went that way. And it should have went that way. Right. I mean, Croatia, 19 shots, five on target. but Just for the fact that they couldn't finish their chances. uh, And it it, it just felt like one of those days where that's what it was going to be. You know, they weren't going to be able to finish their chances. And they were going to share the points. um, Until, of course, uh, shut off the bus. Oh my God! They sure did. They had barely any possession. They they the ball was in their half, or if you want to call it that, just the dirt everywhere um, for the majority of the match. Russia with two shots, none on target. They weren't you know they were just trying to play for the point and keep it pushing. Literally, um, would have went that way, but uh, in the 81st minute, uh, through a cross in on uh, Croatia's left hand side, the ball literally it's not a header. It was, it bounced on the ground and. Uh, Center back Fyodor Kudryashov just try to get that shit from somewhere around him. Or I'm sorry, not a center back, fullback. Try to get that ball just the fuck from around him and uh, uh, just kicked it, tried to clear it, thought it'd go out of bounds, and it ended up in the back of the net. To be fair to the keeper, Savinov, he tried his hardest, got a hand to it, but it was just too late. As she was meant to go in the dirt that was in the back of the net, and that's exactly what it did. All of a sudden, Croatia up 1 0. They'll tell you they deserved it. Russia will tell you that was some bullshit. I'm just wondering why they were playing on that pitch, guy. Come on, fam. Like, what was going on over there? So. <laughs> hey, man, it, it was a disgusting-looking pitch. 
But honestly, I low-key enjoyed that part of it. <laughs> it was down and dirty for like 1940s football, fam. It was ridiculous. And like you said, the pitch was was disgusting. The goal was just as disgusting. And uh, Russia would feel disgusting. I feel for him, though. But Me too. at the end of the day, that game was only shocking because of the manner in which Croatia won. The big shock would come in Lisbon. Jeez. Where Portugal won, psych. <laughs> Ronaldo Sanchez, of all people, did give Portugal the lead early, but Duzan Tadic leveled up the scoring late on. Playing the role of super sub is Alexander Mitrovic, scoring at the death in the 90th minute, last bit of action in the full 90, and that was good enough to see Serbia through to the World Cup. Ronaldo was livid. Devastated. And I said it once, I said it last week, just to quote Mitrovic, he said, I am in the best form of my life. Fam, he wasn't joking. Alexander Mitrovic, fam, when he's playing for Serbia, when he's playing for Fulham, is the go-to. Let's get back to Ronaldo. My man was sitting on the pitch, just shaking his head like, fam, this might be my last World Cup. Y'all about to ruin this for me? <laughs> Sad. Hate to see it. Goodness gracious. Can you imagine if Portugal doesn't make it out the playoff? It'd be a hell of a fall from grace, I mean, from the team that won the Euro in 2016. to um, And, and from what, from what we thought and what seemed to be a team that was on the up and up because of their young talent. Um, and they sure enough, it felt that way, you know, in the Nations League. Um, Fact, the inaugural everyone, Nations thought League. That, everyone thought that this Portugal side that was in the Euro was better than the side who won the Euro. No, 100%. And I think the funny thing is about it, even if you look at the players individually, you got uh, Bernardo Silva been playing out of his mind. Um, you know, Bruno Fernandes, even like last season, playing out of his mind. You know, you've got a team, Joao Felix, individually, a wonderful player. They've got fullbacks. They've got defenders. They've got everything. And just add on the top, Cristiano Ronaldo, which you got to think at this point, aside from the game winners, the match winners that he's given Man United and Portugal life, we saw him break the international all-time goal-scoring record against Ireland with that late double to win the match. You know, he does those kind of things, but they don't look tip-top. I mean, struggling against Ireland, you know, so we see we see Ireland taking them to the brink um, and now Serbia giving them, the, you know, a, a late winner uh, to beat them. It just I doesn't look like... the at, yeah, which they haven't lost a, uh, a home qualifier, um, I think, since 2000. And um, I could be wrong on this. I think 2013. So a long time. So just just seeing this team who we thought would be better than the one that won Cups, that won the Euro, really struggling to get qualification, is it leaves you with some questions. Like, what is it the management? Is, is it the Ronaldo factor? Is he taking away from the overall team? Like, what's going on? We saw them in the Euros, and they look not that good, to be fair. It could be a case of teams, you know, every team is going to come run into a struggle. Portugal is doing it at the worst possible time. No kidding. And I think the idea of that, like, if I just to use the Euro as a, as a sample, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo had five goals, finished as top scorer or tied for top scorer. Um, but they crashed out super early. And we saw them take a terrible loss to Germany. Um, just And this is all this calendar year. This is all in 2021. So... It just leaves you thinking, I mean, are they not being either managed well? And I mean, what, what, I, I just wonder what's going on. And really, I mean, obviously, there is no straight answer, it seems, but it just doesn't make sense with all those players that they have, you know, in form and then playing as bad as they are. You would think that these guys would be, you know, showing out early on and letting folks know that they are contenders to win the World Cup, but they look like they could be dark horses, if that. Hey, man, depending on the draw they get for the playoffs. I don't fear that Portugal will miss on the World Cup, but if they draw a strong side and one of the sides who are in a playoff position right now that comes to the top of the head is Sweden, throwing yeah. Turkey in there if they manage to end up in a playoff spot. Oh, not no, I'm not the easiest playoff in March. Yeah, I, I, I'll say this right now. <laughs> I'll say this right now. If they somehow play Turkey, uh, book it, lock it in. They're going to the playoffs. I mean, they're going to the World Cup. 
from what I saw from Turkey uh, in the international break and then also in uh, at the Euro, they have, I'll be honest, let me down, disappointed me. <laughs> they don't look like, you know, a team that's about this life at all. And I hate saying Came home with bad markings. Yeah, they failed the LB test. I'm disappointed in those guys. <laughs> as, I, as I'm eating Turkish treats right now. Hey! Um, a team that might pass the LV test is a team who shares the peninsula with Portugal, Spain. We raved about how this Spanish team had the proper mix of youth, Pedri, Gavi, and experience, Busquets, even though Barcelona Busquets is a completely different story, but we'll touch on that. They made it to the World Cup. A late winner, courtesy of Alvaro Morata, who cleans up a rocket from Dani Olmo. And that relegates Sweden, who is really good side as well. They are going to the playoffs. I'm absolutely into uh, Spain. I mean, I, like as you said, basically explained it all. Um, when it comes to the World Cup next summer, or look at me, stuck in my old ways, next winter, New days, fam. I can't believe it. Yes, fam. What the World Cup, baby? When it comes uh, to the World Cup, Spain, at least out of Europe, will be a team that I will definitely be rooting for. Um, I love what Luis Enrique's got going on. And those young cats, just like seeing them grow and have chemistry. And those Barcelona players that stink for the club playing well. I mean, as long as Luis Enrique Enrique keeps Eric Garcia at the team, I think they should be fine. But... I'm very much uh, interested to see them grow, and, and and I'd like to see them. I mean, and, and another thing, this could be a, a really small thing, but we saw in the Euro a lot of teams had issues in Sevilla during the summertime when it was blazing hot. Uh, the Spanish players obviously had no issue with that because they, you know, they live in that. So in when it comes to Qatar in 2022, that hot weather, that'd be a team that'd be, probably be able to cope with that. And if they're training anything like their manager does, doing six marathons in six days in the Sahara Desert, they're more than ready. So the marathon continues into Qatar, and I will be supporting from the sideline. Big facts. Uh, but Sweden, big up to them in a playoff spot. A team that's been rebuilding since Ibrahimovic. A lot of young guys. Um, you know, plenty to play for. The playoffs are still around the corner in March. And as Ronnie said, I mean, if they come up against Portugal, who knows? It could be anybody's day. That would be an interesting match just for the sentiment a bit of nostalgia. The last time we saw Sweden and Portugal go against one another in a World Cup qualifier, it was the Ibrahimovic-Ronaldo showdown where the match finished 3-2. Ronaldo had the hat trick and Ibra had the, the brace. I wouldn't mind seeing them two play go against each other. Yeah, man. I would hope that's not the case because these two teams are strong sides that I would want to see the World Cup. I want to see the likes of Rui Patricio in it again, Ronaldo Silva especially, and of course Ronaldo. And they'll probably call up Pepe and his 55-year-old ass in it as well. Get a red card in the first match against Japan. And then <laughs> I also want to see the likes of Dejan Kulusevski, Alexander Isak, Emil Forsberg in the World Cup too. So hopefully it's yeah. not, that's not the matchup we get in the playoffs. The draw is sometime around end of November. So we'll see yeah. how things go. And yeah. that takes care of all the teams who are in the World Cup. Yep, and speaking of Pepe, I think I saw him catch a red, uh, yellow card uh, against Ireland earlier in the week. So yes, <laughs> he's still and at he it. Had him suspended for this match. Yeah, he's still at it. He actually picked up two uh, two yellows, so a red card. <laughs> hey, Legendary. Legendary. He is descending off king. He's good at that. Now, no one in Concacaf qualified yet. The qualification process is halfway through. But the biggest match of the region took place on Friday, and we got, you know, have a little bit of thoughts on that. The United States and Mexico from a dusty-ass Cincinnati. Ooh. Nobody likes Cincinnati. This ain't Adrian Broner. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I don't have a problem with the Cincinnati people. Just just, that, just the team that uses that state in the USMNT played in as a regular home field. Um. First half, pretty much Mexico. They held it down as best as they could. Second half, they went M-I-A. Nowhere to be found in it. Christian Pulisic comes off the bench, much to Thomas Tuchel's concern. But he gets the opening goal and the eventual game winner 
I, I knew Christian Pulisic could be a petty type. How petty? Uh, and of course, if you're listening up until this point, you you know what I'm talking about now. Freaking, there was there was a quote circulating by the Mexican goalkeeper Guillermo Memo Ochoa, and he said. Mexico is the mirror in which the U.S. wants to see itself, more or less. After the goal celebration, Christian Pulisic lifts up his top, and the undershirt says, man in the mirror. If that is not petty, I don't know what is. Damn, he was waiting for that one. Now, if you were really petty, if you were my level of petty, I'm doing it in front of Ochoa. That sounds like something Erling Holland would do, and just get into some smoke with a goalkeeper. We've seen that before, right? We have seen that before, but I wanted to see it from Pulisic. But he gets the first he goal. <laughs> he would want to get smacked with them six fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and then Weston McKinney, he added the second one, the finishing touch. And you know whenever the U.S. beats Mexico, the scoreline is traditionally dos a cero, and that is what we got. Yeah, the U.S. finally, I mean, doing what they're supposed to do, leaving it as late as possible, though. And- you know, this could have went any which way, but yeah, I mean, when they're, they're young guns that, you know, that they're banking their future on come correct, you know, McKinney and Pulisic included, this is what you can, you know, you can expect from them, as we saw in the nation, in the CONCACAF Nations League final as well. They beat Mexico three times on the spin in a calendar year, fam. They got to take that because that's got to mean something. It, it's got to. The question now is, is the U.S. the dominant force in CONCACAF now? I would say yes. I mean, w- only because with their young stars kind of growing and getting better and better, um, and then you combine that with Mexico's form kind of dwindling as of late and their forward issues, their alleged beef with Chicharito, you know, it's just so many things that have been going wrong for Mexico have been going right for the USA. Obviously, the U.S. hasn't made anything easy on themselves, losing matches that they should be winning or, you know, making matches much tougher than they should be. Uh, I think the future is bright for the USA with these young guns that they have, Pulisic and, you know, McKinney included, amongst others, obviously, the Gio Reynas of the world. I didn't mention Sergio Dest, that's for a reason. Uh, but, yeah, the future is bright for the U.S. For Mexico, they've got some rebuilding, I think, to do. And they got to they gotta address it ASAP. The longer they wait, the worse it gets. Three losses to the U.S. on the spin, as you said. That's nothing small. That's pretty big. Facts, man. Um, I, a good point was made on ESPN FC. Until the U.S. goes out to Mexico and beats them on their turf, Oof. you could really say the U.S. really takes over. But they're creeping up there. I would say they're creeping up there. Mexico, like you alluded to, they are aging. I don't even know what the average age is, but it's probably somewhere in the 30s. You look at their front <laughs> three. That's a terrible sign. God damn. <laughs> Allegedly in the 30s, that's that can't be a good look. No, and it, good points were made. Freaking Ochoa is old. He's probably in like his sixth World Cup. He's always the goalkeeper. If it's not him, is um. <laughs> I love how you use six in regards to Ochoa. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, saw what I did there. Um, uh, freaking, you look at their front three: Raúl Jiménez. He, yes, is coming back from his injury, but he might need a little bit more time to, like, get back into, like, proper fitness, even though he has been scoring goals and stuff for Wolves. Chucky Lozano seems like, you know, he is the person that U.S. were looking at the most. The freaking, he has his moments, and Tecatito Jesus Corona has been trash. For real, though. Oh, my gosh. But you made a good point, though, as far as the U.S. being at the Azteca. That's not an easy feat for anybody, let alone the United States. Something that my motherland did that they haven't in an official match. Check your text because that's one thing I want to talk about this game. Let's see here. Checking my text. Checking my text. Let's go. Oh, no. What kind of Mortal Kombat move is this? So what I'm showing LV is the incident where Luis Chaca Rodriguez Pretty much digs his finger in the eyes of Brendan Aronson. Eesh. And he was not sent off for this. Damn. That looked nasty. They don't have the luxury of reviewing this because there is no VAR in CONCACAF qualifiers. Safe to say that was a red, right? Yeah, any sort of, you know, face 
uh, you know, eye gouging situation, uh, it's got to be looked at at least. And that should be something that's bumped up from a yellow to, oh, oh, psych. That's a red, buddy. Conquer calf is going to conquer calf. As they do. That pretty much takes the cake in regards of World Cup qualifiers. The Africa is reaching its final stages of this round before the final round of qualifiers in March. All the teams for that will be set by the next time we pod, so we'll talk about that then. Asia, they're still qualifying. And New Zealand will probably get out of Oceania only to lose in an intercontinental playoff. So that being said, LV, where do you want to go from here? Just let's take it back to club football just for a hot second. Because, you know, I can't avoid it forever. A quick little uh, managerial merry-go-round. That's been the, the name of the game this season. Obviously, last week we spoke about Antonio Conte. And we talked about Ronald Koeman getting bounced from Barcelona. And uh, it's been confirmed, obviously, that Xavi was his replacement. My boy came with the real set of rules, if you will. Right, Ronnie? The Ten Commandments, if you will. <laughs> I could I could have sworn, uh, and I'm not going to compare the two, but Pirlo also had some sort of crazy philosophy thesis for Juventus. Um, it wasn't no Ten Commandments, but neither here nor there. Chevy. Let's get into those Ten Commandments, shall we? One, players must be 90 minutes early to practice. You cut me off when there's a problem, by the way. Two. Staff must be two hours early to practice. Damn. <laughs> Three, players must eat at training ground. Okay. Speaking of eating, to quickly jump back to Spurs, that you cannot eat ketchup or any other sort of condiment. No ketchup, no mayonnaise. There's Antonio no Conte. Instrument. Antonio. <laughs> Patrick Starr in the building. <laughs> Antonio Conte telling players to their face, you're overweight, you fat fuck. We're done with ketchup. No more McDoubles. No four for fours from Wendy's. No five buck box from KFC. No fake tuna from Subway. Okay, back to Chappie. Sorry. Um, rule number four: Players will be fined for breaking any of these rules. Five: Fines will double for repeat offenses. Six: The curfew is forty-six hours before a match. Forty-eight hours. My bad. Rule number seven: Damn. Meritocracy. Yo. Rule number eight. Travel and off-field habits will be monitored. Nine, players are prohibited from dangerous activities. And lastly, and players must maintain a good image at the club. A Barcelona mainstay rule. That's one. If none of the other ones are rules that have been implemented in the past, that's one we know for sure has been like a, a motto, if you will, of Barcelona. Everyone has got to have a good image or maintain a good image to the point where we don't even want you driving fancy cars man i'll tell you this right now i saw this during the week this guy's image not the goodest goodest like that's a word not the best <laughs> his mayonnaise <laughs> an instrument <laughs> <laughs> um philip continue says something along the lines of why i gotta warm up it's halftime already when Antofati went down against Celta de Vigo. Um, again, I got that from ESPN Deportes. So maintaining good image, Philip Coutinho not doing that. Um, yeah, any problem with man. these Ten Commandments? Uh, I'm going to be honest. It, it, it just seems like Chavi's coming with, uh, with the business. And we've seen this from coaches in the past. And, you know, obviously you mentioned Antonio Conte. Telling players they gotta suffer, no crazy condiments, you know, um, and even if it great was jokingly, coupon. yeah, not even no great, none of that, fam. He said you better steam some vegetables, <laughs> man, Brussels sprouts. But we've seen managers enforce these rules, and not just regular managers, but managers that have won things, you know, enforce rules such as this and to the point where even Conte, uh, jokingly maybe said that uh, even had a regimen for his players, his sex lives, um, so. This isn't anything I've, you know, that's to me outrageous. And I'll be honest, I kind of like it. Uh, it seems like he's trying to set a standard and, um, you know, really bring these professional players to do what they're paid to do. And that's bring glory to a club or your team. And Barcelona, who's fallen from their high horse, oh, way off their high horse, uh, Chavi of Club Legend, who probably, you know, either dealt with this or learned this from, you know, managers past. And, there's a reason why Chabby's a Barcelona legend, and he's coming with the smoke. And uh, I mean, honestly, I gotta be honest, I like it. 
I want to see, you know, the effects of this. I want to see it be implemented. I will say there are a couple that are kind of interesting to me. The off travel and off field habits, like fam, this ain't the CIA, bro. If I'm not working, you know, give me, let me chill out elsewhere. I don't want you to monitor me. But um, who about this is not Portugal? Apparently, they passed a law where bosses can't hit up employees after work hours. So. <laughs> there you go. Oh, according to Chavi, work hours are 48 hours before the game starts. <laughs> so, if you got a Champions League game on a Tuesday and then a game on a Saturday, you're basically working the whole week. So, <laughs> so I mean, but yeah, all in all, I think aside from like maybe one or two, I like this. I like this idea. I like where Chavi's going with this. He's getting to that nitty gritty saying, yo, if we want to get back to being good, let's get to following these rules. And let's see how how the players react to it and, and, and how this works for Chavi. But I, I think it's a good sign. I, I've seen good managers do this, as I said before. And uh, obviously, they, they win places and they win things and for a reason. So maybe Chavi's got the right idea. Or maybe he just thinks he's something that he's not. And we'll find out. Time will tell. What do you think? Um, He's putting in order at the club. And this gives off the vibes of there wasn't any of that. So he's trying to put this club in a straight and narrow he wants Barcelona to be the shining city on a hill, if you will, that has always been. That has been while he was a player. Xavi probably came into that shit just like Ronaldo came into Man United. Like, what the fuck is this? You sh- this ain't this ain't Old Trafford, is it? You know, and had a certain standard for it that was set way back when by you know certain individuals, and now that that's collapsed, the free falling Barcelona, the stock plummeting. Xavi's like, yo, let's you know implement some stuff that'll. You know, make things rigid and make this not, you know, a place just to, for y'all to come and get paid. This is the place of work and we're here to do good work. That's why Barcelona was what it was, you know, so it seems like... I mentioned uh, it last week, all the best to him. It's going to take time to rebuild the whole club as is. They're probably not going to win Champions League or La Liga this season, but hoping they do under Xavi. He has a longer leash than Ronald Koeman did, that's for damn sure. So hopefully he gets something done in the future. And I think these are good steps to do that. Yeah, I feel like I've got some faith in Xavi. I think he's a very good signing for Barcelona. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously we spoke uh, a while back with the 4P podcast. And uh, our boys out there, Confin Rojas, I mean, had some really good points on the Xavi effect on the Qatari national team. And, I mean, it, granted it was Qatar. It wasn't Europe or UEFA, but yeah, we'll see what happens. He's got some time, and only time will tell, as I said before. But yeah, I think I think he'll do well. Speaking of legends going into management, well, continuing management, um, Steven Gerrard is back in the Premier League after leading Rangers to the Scottish Prem last year. He departs the club mid-season to take over for Dean Smith at Aston Villa. I'll say two things about this. First thing is that Perslow, the director of football, I believe, or the chairman for Aston Villa, uh, has a relationship with Steven Gerrard. And so maybe this was always in the cards at some point. And I think they go back to way back to Liverpool. Obviously, Perslow was also at Chelsea as well, amongst other places. But uh, there's that. And then the second thing, um, I think uh, Dean Smith, and obviously, as I mentioned, everything is a club-by-club basis in regards to the manager and the manager relationship with the club and whether he gets enough time and sacked and whatnot. Uh, I think uh, once Jack Grealish was gone, they kind of didn't give Dean Smith the time to have his the new signings that were bought with the Grealish money to kind of gel and play well together, you know. And obviously I said that, it, you know, the opposite with Nuno, that he had to go regardless. Dean Smith seems to, be, seems to have been the guy for them. I mean, he brought them back up from relegation, obviously with the help of uh, incredibly talented Jack Grealish, amongst others. But uh, they put him, they kind of, you know, cut his head off at a point in the season where they're not very far off from where they want to be, I think, in terms of place-wise, still very early. Uh, but, yeah, didn't give the guy a chance, even though they've been in pretty poor form in the last month and a half, two months. But such as the Premier League, we've seen this before, especially with managers who are even uh, club legends or, you know, club heroes, if you will. Obviously, the first name that comes to mind is... Uh, uh, Chris Wilder for Sheffield, who brought him up from relegation. And uh, obviously they were doing very poorly the last season, and they decided to part ways with him. I think it's sort of the same thing with Dean Smith. 
a guy who really stuck with them up, down, up, down, back up, and um, wasn't given the time to really gel with his players. So neither here nor there. Steven Gerrard, I mean, do we think he's ready for the big time? Aston Villa, not necessarily the big six, but certainly not a small club. Lots I don't know that a small club. European champion club. All the best to him. Everyone is touting this as a dress rehearsal for when he does take over Liverpool. Will that happen anytime soon? I don't know. But that's looking at the go-to. Yeah, we're, we're hearing uh, Jurgen Klopp's contract ends around the same time as uh, Gerard's new contract with Villa. And he wants to go to Liverpool, allegedly, and whatnot. Obviously, he's got a bit of proving himself to do before he gets to that point to get back to where he made a name for himself uh, over at Anfield. But, yeah, Dean Smith, uh, I mean, I guess it depends on who you are. I hate to see it, love to see it, whatever. Uh, this has got to be the most amount of managers I've seen come into the Premier League midseason in quite some time and the most amount of managers go out in, in quite some time. So, um one more Premier League addition, uh, if we will. Uh, the former AFC Bournemouth man, Eddie Howe, is back in the Premier League. And he will be coaching the money machine that is Newcastle United. There was reports and talks that Unai Emery was going to be the man to replace him. Uh, there were some very public uh, interviews. Unai Emery said, fam, I've gotten phone calls. Nothing is certain. I'm over here at Villarreal. I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm in the Champions League. You feel me? Ultimately, that didn't work out. Emery declined, uh, allegedly. And uh, they picked up Eddie Howe, who I think is definitely the, a good move for them, um, for Newcastle United in this initial, um, I guess, phase of their rebuild, if you will. Definitely a guy who can coach them out of relegation for sure. And, and then maybe up the table, somewhere in the lower half, obviously, but up the table for sure. They've got the quality to do it. And if he does get the chance to sign players, obviously they've got bread. But, yeah, I think positive move from Newcastle, picking up Eddie Howe. Yeah, that signing was, like, an indicator of where they're going to head. Like, could you imagine Eddie Howe coaching Kylian Mbappe? Yeah, see, and, and shit, shit like that. <laughs> yeah, that should just give you signs that no. Yeah, you know, um, he'll be getting, I think he'll be, he doesn't have the cachet, say, if Newcastle were to be adventurous enough to try to shoot for the stars and get a Conte or... Brendan Rodgers, maybe even, uh, you know, somebody like that. But I think they'll still be able to poach players in with the money. And also, right. you know, uh, if not big, you know, star players or whatever the case may be. Uh, yeah, we, we, yeah, exactly. Do they want something like that? But even maybe, maybe they do. But, you know, they could even, with Eddie Howe's, you know, pedigree, they might be able to poach, you know, teams that they're sort of directly in competition with, you know, just below, just above them in the table. Uh, you know, maybe they can poach some some good some good players uh, from teams. You know, maybe like uh, Everton, who are playing really poorly at the moment. Southampton, who are also playing really poorly. Um, you know, and get some quality from those teams and kind of build off of that. So it seems like a typical uh, approach uh, of like a, a I guess Middle East Premier League takeover. We saw the same thing with Man City when they started. Their first managerial signing was uh, I think Mark Hughes. You know, before they ultimately got Roberto Mancini. So. Sounds yeah. about right. The last manager I want to mention, and we could, you know, touch on this briefly. Um, Andriy Shevchenko is now the manager at Genoa. Oh, yeah. Facts. I forgot about that. He's the uh, AC Milan uh, legend, if you will, back in Italy. This came a bit as a surprise because I thought he would lead Ukraine into, like, the World Cup if they qualify. I'm guessing he saw better pastures. He wanted to tackle this Genoa opportunity. I think they're bought like in the bottom half of the table, maybe in the relegation zone. But Andriy Shevchenko knows Serie A. He'll do a good job at Genoa, and hopefully maybe this might be his um rehearsal for taking over AC Milan at some point. I don't know, but ceiling's only up. I'm hoping for the best for Shevchenko. Shevchenko has had success with the Ukrainian national team. He led Ukraine to the quarterfinals of the Euro, but no one thought that shit would happen. Yeah, for a really good uh, run for them. And then it came to a crashing halt as England gave them the absolute beats. That was a nasty game. Bullshit, maybe. I don't know. Oh, you read my mind. I was going to say absolute bullshit. But now that you said the magic words, yo, is it that time? I believe it is. <laughs> BS of the week time! <laughs> Let's go. Okay. My first BS of the week goes to Aminata Diallo of... 
the PSG women's team and the French national team. She and teammate at PSG, Kira Hamurawi, are competing for a defensive midfielder spot in the regular rotation. So, with that context, she was allegedly in on Hamurawi being assaulted as soon as she got out of her vehicle, in which she and Diallo were in after a PSG team dinner. Hamurari was dragged out the car, and the masked men were punching her legs. Like, <laughs> yo, that's straight out of a movie, son. What? Instantly thought of this, my mind went to figure skating. If you're familiar with the Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding bit, that's what this reminded me of. Hamwari, thankfully, she did not sustain any serious injuries, just a couple stitches. It turns out this plot worked because this was in advance of PSG's Champions League game against Real Madrid. And guess who started instead of Hamrawi? Who? Aminata Diallo. That would have been Hamrawi's 100th match with PSG. And they cheated her out of it. This is like the first half of a movie where the villain wins. And also... I just can't imagine seeing somebody beat somebody's legs up. <laughs> it's like, what? That's mad specific. It's like the mafia. Gary Lineker described this perfectly in a single tweet, quote, crikey. Wow. Now, Diallo was arrested for this alleged incident. He was released from custody over the weekend. The investigation is still continuing. Remember when I mentioned that, um, a teammate stole Casper Dolberg's watch because he wasn't getting ticks over Dolberg. Yeah, this is worse. Way worse. And whatever happens to Diallo, I don't know. But that was wild. By the way, PSG beat Real Madrid for nothing. Nasty. You gotta do what you gotta do, but when it comes to that, I don't risk that. But um, yeah, my second BS of the week goes to the Premier League. International break, they were they were in the news. All 20 Premier League clubs voted against a biannual World Cup. No shit. Who supports that shit? Apparently Kevin De Bruyne does, but that's not BS of the Week. Nor is the Premier League 2022-23 fixture list, in which they start the season August 6th, take a break for the World Cup, and return 10 days after the World Cup on Boxing Day. Not, that's not BS either. Honestly, that's FIFA's fault. So, there is a charity called Shelter, raising awareness for the homelessness. They presented an idea in which clubs who are at home on Boxing Day wear their away kits in order to raise awareness and then collect funds. Unused home kits would be autographed and auctioned off for the charity. Again, this is for charity. This is for homelessness around the holidays, Boxing Day in particular. Sounds like a good idea. Very wholesome. The Premier League said, nah. Ew. The Premier League said specifically in a quote via a spokesperson person to Sky Sport, the Premier League receives a large amount of requests from charities every season. However, we aren't able to support all centrally. Clubs are entitled to support charitable causes, and we encourage clubs to do so, provided it is in compliance with Premier League rules. Adding, the first priority for home clubs will be their home strips. Again, you're wearing a away kit or third kit or a fourth kit, if you have it, at home for one match, just one match, to raise awareness for homelessness for a good cause. And the Premier League said, no. It's also worth saying the EFL and all the leagues below the Premier League have no problem doing this. They said, you know what? I like this idea. Let's do it. I find that bullshit. You can't even do something for even if for a one-off. You wear poppies for a one-off. You can't wear away kits at home for charity in a one-off. You, hey, man. That's just Hateful. not where the money resides. Where the money resides, where the money resides, where the money resides. But yeah, bullshit. Bullshit. Would you have liked to see this? Yeah, I mean, why not? That's my that's my whole thing. Just why not? You know? <laughs> like, sounds like I'm hating that shit. 
And Spurs happen to be one of the home teams on Boxing Day. So they could have worn that Basquiat looking kit or what's the, the other kit they looking kit. They got the uh, green joint and the Microsoft Paint looking one. For one game at home on Boxing Day, they could wear their home kit every other time else. Just that one match, no. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad at it. But apparently Premier League would be. You mentioned the Premier League. My BS of the Week stays in England. Not necessarily on the club level, but for the national team. My first one here comes for the <laughs> captain. Uh, uh, actually, actually, yeah. <laughs> so my first one here comes for, I guess it can go either way. The Manchester United captain and the England defender, Harry Maguire, uh, who has been uh, no secret to anybody, has been in terrible form as of late for uh, Manchester United. You could argue he's playing very well for England, going back to the Euros, but neither here nor there. England will be playing uh, Albania uh, this past week in qualifiers. Match would finish 5-0 uh, with goals coming from everybody and their mama. Harry Maguire will get the opening goal with a wonderful header. Bang! Straight into the back of the net. Uh, off Use the old slab head for good use. Oh, he sure did. Off of a cross from, I believe it was Reese James, but I could be wrong. As as Maguire scores the goal, he hits the signature slide that, you know, a folk person who scores the goal would do in, in celebration. And he goes ahead and puts his uh, hands to his ears as, to, as if to say, you know, silencing the critics. Or, what'd you say? I can't hear you. And uh, I guess the BS comes in here because, fam, what, what are you talking about? You've been playing terribly. <laughs> Which critics you talk about, fam? I mean... He hasn't really done much. And this is Albania. Y'all post a win. Y'all post a score. Uh, so I'm sure Ronaldo's probably sitting there like, man, shut the fuck up <laughs> and get back to the <laughs> but, uh, So, PS of the week, Harry Maguire. I mean, listen, the goals are going through his country. After the game. Oh, please, Ronnie, enlighten me. Apparently, he responded to Roy Keane calling it embarrassing. Jermaine Defoe said the celebration left a sour taste in people's mouths. So much so, it's BS of the week here on the Football Misfits. Harry Maguire responded, it wasn't directed at no one. It was a knee slide. I obviously put my hands in my ears. I am Manchester United captain. Of course, I'm going to get criticism when the team isn't doing well. I fully expect that, but it is, but it wasn't directed at anyone. Scoring for your country is a great feeling. The first goal in a crucial qualifier. We knew how important the game was, how important the first goal was. If. So, yes. Yeah, man, whatever. Womp, womp, womp. Hold that BS of the week. Bang! But he won't be the only person on the English national team that get BS of the week. My very own Harry Kane is next up, the England captain. After scoring a perfect hat-trick, left foot, right foot, header, bang. Uh, his fourth hat-trick for England. Uh, one off of Gary Lineker and, I believe, one more person's record for most hat-tricks for the national team would score his 44th goal, uh, well, 42nd, 43rd, and 44th goals uh, against Albania in that 5-0 route. His first half hat-trick uh, would put him level with Spurs legend Jimmy Greaves, uh, tied for fourth all-time in goals, only behind Gary Lineker, Bobby Charlton, and Wayne Rooney for all-time English goals. Now, there's been reports, alleged reports, this could be BS, but we're going to give it BS because I read I read this somewhere that Harry Kane wants to start in England's final qualifier match against San Marino this coming week. Uh, a team that he has not played in this qualifying cycle because it's San Marino. Why waste your time? Uh, they're usually going to win that sort of match. But it is being alleged that Kane, hungry to try and get Rooney's all-time goal-scoring record, wants to start against San Marino. A match where you could see him score six, seven goals. <laughs> so, Kane, fam, I know you haven't scoring many goals for Spurs this season because it kind of seemed like you don't want to. Uh, you just scored a hat trick. But how thirsty can you be, bro? My boy looking thirsty. All types uh, of greedy. At, at this moment, he's nine off of Rooney for all time. Uh, and playing San Marino, who knows? He could do it. So, uh, PS of the Week, Wayne Rooney. Not Wayne Rooney, fam. You're all good, bro. BS of the week, Harry Kane. Slow it down, bro. You'll get your chances. Just don't fuck around and get injured against San Marino. And I hope that doesn't happen now that I put that in the air. But that's all I got, Ronnie. Before Kane finds a way to score another goal somehow, some way in, in, for uh, England, uh, trying to catch this record. 
or before the Premier League says no to something else that's right. I want to go ahead and sign us off. Sounding like Pele trying to stat pad his, his <laughs> career statistics. By the way, Gary Lineker and Jimmy Greaves has, have more England hat tricks than Harry Kane. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, Jimmy Greaves, Spurs legend, Gary Lineker. There you are. Kane's on four. Lineker has five. Greaves has six. Damn. That boy Jimmy Greaves is scoring them goals. Amen. Rest in peace. But, yes, that is it for us here on episode 67. We thank you all for listening. We thank you all for your listenership and your support. Um, Quick shout-out before we get out of here. We got to give it to the good brothers at Campfire Football, Sebastian North. He is a state champion, Colorado High School's Boys Soccer Class 4A, 2021 champions. Air horns for Sebastian. Big up star guy. Love to see it. Keep on keeping on. Yes. Episode 68 is right around the corner. Until then, for the good brother LV, I go by the name of Ronnie. We will see you on the flip side. Stay strong. Be brave. Adios. Me and Dead. Ooh.